What's going on, podcast listeners? This podcast you're about to listen is with Thomas Forbes. He is a welder, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. Ton of experience uh, in the trades. He wants to start a school, uh, vocational uh, college for trades with a different style, different technique to help you get jobs faster. It's an interesting uh, listen. If you're in that topic, you like that kind of stuff, hear it out. Let me know what you think. All right, enjoy. You're listening to the Alex Wolf Audio Odyssey. Thomas Forbes? Thomas Forbes, that is correct. Thank you for coming. Um, I appreciate you having me. Where can we start? Uh, Maybe if we can do a little context and show, and you can talk about how you got into the trades back when you were a young man. Back when I was a young man? Oh. Well, let me see. Uh, when I first started out, like so many today, trying to find a trade is difficult. Um, <clears throat> even though there's an enormous amount of awareness out there, you still have to go through the process and find your trade. So initially, when I first started out, there was no, I didn't find no trade. So it took many years of working through different shops and that sort of thing, because my trade is a welder. So in my early days, <laughs> I uh, came up with a saying, anything over three months with bonus, simply because I bounced around a lot to gain all the uh, experience that I could, and uh, which led into uh, a pretty good trade after, after a great amount of time. Unfortunately, if, if there was uh, uh, apprenticeships available to me at that time, I probably would have jumped right into it. So, um, other than that, um, um, then as uh, you know, you grow up, you get married and have children and so on and so forth. So then when my son became of age, I uh, was looking around for an apprenticeship for him. And that's what led me into this development and, well, led me into basically all the information in regards to the apprenticeship training and and how um, we lack the training of such Mm -hmm. and um, how it can be such a benefit to so many younger generations, including (laughs) as we we proceed in this, they always, well, I shouldn't say they always, but they, um, right now it's like go to university versus going into a trade. I mean, there's that whole scenario where, um, you know, uh, you got to get an education and that sort of thing, <clears throat> which is kind of funny because uh, I just spoke to a, a, a friend of my granddaughter <laughs> who was 19 and her parents said, whatever you do, don't go into manufacturing. And I'm going, hmm, that was interesting. So, well, why? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. so I asked her, I says, well, because they were in manufacturing. So then uh, I asked her, I says, well, what do you know about manufacturing? She said, nothing. So how can, you know, is, I'm not sure if that mentality is out there in regards to manufacturing as well as the skilled trades, but uh, you think just, if it is, we certainly have some bad marketing maybe. Or people were relating maybe. to maybe how it used to be? I guess it could be. 
Um, um, going back a little bit in, in, in the skilled trades, if you want to go back to like, let's say 1963, they, um, at one point in time, you could get into a trade at 16 years of age. Um, after that, I believe it changed now, they want grade 12, but um, um, there was also a, a program back in the day in the 60s too, where they, were, they had a, what they called a two-year tech program where you went to a, like a vocational school and you did your two years, grade nine, 10, and then you got out mm-hmm. and either went to work or if there was a trade available, you went down that particular road. <clears throat> so, um, and things have changed a lot in that regard. Uh, what's the biggest difference that you've seen? I'm sure you've seen di- different cycles in the trades. Uh, throughout your career, right? What's the biggest change now from maybe when you started looking into the trades yourself into now, what you see when you were looking um, for your, your son? Well, you know, they speak about all this technology coming in, but uh, maybe some companies are eventually and will be um, uh, investing in the latest technologies, but there are some companies that are out there are strictly um, still hands-on, you still got to know the basics and you have to follow through that whole uh, procedure, process in order to learn. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a little bit out of breath, although it's quite a long drive. Yeah, I know. So, do you think, uh, well, you're saying that uh, when you, you started looking into the trades uh, when you were just beginning your career, there wasn't much uh, education on it or programs to help you along or at least awareness? Well, I don't think there was enough awareness. Now that we have an abundance of awareness, now I would say we have a great amount of awareness but no place to actually go to. I mean, we have our uh, um, public colleges which have a a pre-apprenticeship program. I mean, I knew, I know they're doing the best that they can, but unfortunately, it takes so long to go through that process. And uh, I think in time, process of applying or process of like just uh, process going, going through it. No, if you go through an apprenticeship or a pre-apprenticeship program, in the, say a public college or something, so then you got to pay money to go there. You got to you know go through that whole process, which is quite long. Mm-hmm. And so then again, if you wanted to um, um, achieve an apprenticeship, um, after the fact, you still have to go find one. There's nobody that's assisting you in doing that. Um, although there, <clears throat> there is a great amount of uh, interest in industry, but then industry likes to pick and choose who they want as well. So um, it's it's can be troublesome for someone starting out. The other thing too, as I find is um, the system, we have a block system. So um, if you take an apprenticeship, you have to, uh, you know, well, once you find your apprenticeship, then you got to take time off to go to school. I believe there are uh, three month blocks or something like that. So then you got to apply for unemployment insurance and it gets to be a real bit of a pain for the uh, student and, from a financial perspective, um, some students frown on that and some students stay where they're at at a certain level because they can't really afford to go to school. So they're kind of stuck between? Yeah, they're kind of stuck. 
Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, not everyone, but, um, you know, then there's that, that time off is cool, then you got to come back and it just, you know, drags things out. It's not a smooth process for them to just... It can be frustrating. Yeah. Uh, let's say like uh, the construction trades, for instance, it's, uh, it, it rides the economy and, and, and the jobs. So if um, you start an apprenticeship, say with uh, um, a local union or something like that, um, you know, you, if, if the economy is busy, you can probably bang out all the hours that you want and, and achieve your um, apprenticeship pretty good mm -hmm. and quickly, and along with your schooling. But uh, so if the market is slow, then if you just started in your apprenticeship, for instance, excuse me, um, then you'd have to wait until things got busy. So it just prolongs everything. So mm -hmm. then I would assume over time, and a lot of them have, uh, lose interest in it and then go elsewhere. So I think that is a, a big issue in regards to the trades today. So with myself and what I've tried to develop here over the last <laughs> couple of decades. No, yeah. Uh, Thomas is trying to develop a skills training, uh, vocational training college, right? Yeah, vocational training college for skilled trades and education, career alternatives. Yeah. Um, well, let's dive into this, right? Pardon me? Let's dive into your, your college that you're trying to take off. Okay, so um, it's a pretty diversified, it's industry-based. So a student or one who is interested in going into a trade, um, once this is developed, then uh, you can come in and within uh, let's just say uh, compulsory trades are anywhere from 8,000 to 9,000 hours. Um, so if you look at a 9,000 hour program on a compulsory trade, I've developed a system where we can bump that off to 28 months. So 9,000 hours is what you're required, like a mandate to complete to be able to get your, what is it? That's a compulsory trades. Okay. There's, uh, there's there's a great amount of, of trades. Like a compulsory trade would be like an electrician or a plumber, mm -hmm. something like that, along that line, um, where they have to be specific in, in, the, in their uh, knowledge base. And there's codes and all that other mm -hmm. things that apply to those specific compulsory trades. Um, one of the, the areas that I want to develop in this or, well, first of all, let me back that up. Mm -hmm. um, it takes, uh, this development would take 28 weeks, okay. 28 months, months. Sorry, okay. for a uh, 9,000 hour apprenticeship. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty congested, but it's uh, really hands-on. Um, there's no block time going to school. Uh, everything is in play as you proceed through this whole program. And, um, It'll meet all the standards that are, are regulated regulations that apply throughout the country, uh, because various uh, provinces have different levels of or different criteria for their uh, skill traits. Mm -hmm. So this particular college is completely hands-on, industry-based. It's uh, it uh, there's nothing on the market out there that even comes close to this. 
So reflecting back when I first started this, um, I went to a marketing company. I went to quite a few places actually. You know, you, you kind of get your feelers out there, what this costs, what that costs, and everything costs quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I went to a marketing company and uh, I gave him my, my whole business plan. I said, he was a young fellow like yourself. I said, uh, you know, I wanted to get a quote on what it would take to do whatever he had to do. And I said, when you read through it, I said, I would like your opinion after, after the fact. So uh, after a week or so, he calls me back and gives me the quote. And then I asked him, I said, so what did you think of it? He says, right off the hop, he says, I know two guys that would just be able, would just love to jump into this. So, <laughs> I mean, when you speak to one person and he knows two people that would be interested, I mean, the, the math is there. Yeah. Um, and it's needed, right? Because we have a huge skill shortage be, right it now. It would be very huge. Yeah. And it's direct. There's no uh, no ifs, ands, buts with this. It's uh, yeah. you want it, you get into it, and you're in and out. Yeah, just just about two years, right? Mm -hmm. That's uh, well, two years versus five years, and it's depending. It wow. Yeah. That is. Well, like uh, HVAC and, and electricians are five years, and they could be done possibly with your eight months. Wow. <laughs> So, like, part of my business plan is, you know, I support the three Gs, get in, get out, and get on with your life. Yeah. It's a pretty simple process. But, like, nowadays, colleges and universities, they, they want to keep kids for life, you know? Why don't you be a master's? Uh, what about a doctorate? Well, you might need I'm that, sure, too. I'm sure, you've, <laughs> I'm sure you've been quite aware of all the, the debt that's been yeah. in the market these days. Well, I address that as well. Um, in regards to, uh, well, first, the industry side of it, so the apprenticeship, there's also another uh, avenue for education and that sort of thing. So, and I don't want to go into specifics, but so the development of this houses people so they can achieve an income, achieve their studies and reduce their debts. I think it's pretty simple. One of the couple the, of the biggest problems we got right now, isn't it? Well, pretty much. I mean, so the biggest prerequisite in order to come into this particular training college educational institution is ambition. Um, I find that debt, <laughs> with everybody whining about it, I mean, when you sign on the dotted line and you want to go to college or university or whatever it is, it's right there in front of you. You signed up for it. So why squawk about the money that you owe? Mm -hmm. And in reflection of that, I think, do the kids today or the younger generation today have a plan B, a plan C? I know I always did. You know, if you... If you wanted to, if this didn't work out for me, I always made sure I knew something else. This in particular environment or institution opens up the mind for students to see how many other avenues are available for plan A, B, C. If, if you wanted to be uh, going to university and you want to get a degree of something and then you come out and there's no job, then what? Oh. 
go back home with mom and dad? Come on. There's lots of manufacturing jobs out there that are quite interesting and would probably reflect upon some of these people that have their degrees and that sort of thing. And they may find it, find it quite easy, or not quite easy, but uh, quite interesting for them. It was, what I think one of the biggest a problem is that people, at least after high school, when they graduate and they apply to university right away, they haven't tried enough to, no. to experience enough to even know what they like or who they are. So this, this, and I agree with you there. This institution would bring you in and you can see numerous environments because you're, you're, you're working through this area, creating an income, and at the same time you have your studies. So, um, and eliminating the debt that's reflected upon such. Um, so, yes, I think it would be a huge asset but, um, <laughs> excuse me, I'm breakfast. <laughs> um, when, when somebody wants to achieve something, and like you said, they, they don't know. So how can you say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, you're, you're 19 years old. Okay, I'm gonna go to university, I wanna be this. Do, do they look at the, uh, the competition? I mean, is, is it, uh, you know, you're going to get out there, you're going to get finished, or you're going to actually end up with that particular job, or is your marks down here and they're going to accept this guy, or is it a friend of a friend that's going to hire this student because of, you know? Um, and that happens a lot in every industry, basically, mm -hmm. but it's there. So one's dream job um, may not come to reality. And that's where if you are subjected to an environment, you can see specifically the different areas that, well, you know, I worked in this area here in this institution and I saw the different areas of whether it's management or um, um, inspection or anything like that and there's a great amount of opportunities in those fields as well so um, <clears throat> opportunity is, is is one of the biggest um, assets to this development opens the doors gives you the opportunity to go down one road or go down another opens opens the door to many th many things how does one actually go about starting a, a college? I'm curious myself. Like, how? Yeah. How, how one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is this could be a long story because you you've been at it for a while. Uh, '96, uh, and it took me eight years to. Oh, I did a lot of research. I. I just accumulated so much data and information in order to put this together because the biggest thing that I found in my early days was <clears throat> when you look for a job, oh, you don't have enough experience. Oh God, you know how disheartening that is? Yeah. And, and, and just, just to, to paraphrase on that a little bit is I ran into a, a young gentleman just a couple months ago and he, he wanted to be a welder just irrelevant. Um, 
And he says, uh, so I said, so did you apply for a job and all that stuff? He says, yeah, I applied for a lot of jobs, but they said, I don't have the experience. And I'm going, oh my God, that just reflects back to my younger days. And, and that's one of the biggest drivers behind this development is the experience curve. It's all right there. Um, so where was it? Oh yeah, okay. So um, 96, I accumulated a great amount of uh, info in regards to putting it all together. <laughs> You're gonna laugh at this one. So I'm all set and ready to go. Gonna go start this business. So KPMG, they're, they're a big accounting firm. So, and they, they assist some people in businesses and all that stuff. So here I go, I got my, my uh, uh, suitcase. I got a plastic container with six three-inch binders in it. Oh, man. <laughs> and a rolled-up hand-sketch drawing. <laughs> it was difficult because I went there and then went into the room. They had a little consultation with me, and now they said, oh, well, Mr. Forbes, you know, when you can reduce all this to that, come on back. <laughs> so needless to say, I threw it in the corner when I got back home, and I didn't touch it for, like, six or eight months. Anyway, long story short, I did. I reduced it right down. So then uh, after that point, I went to, um, actually I made a cold call to a gentleman. I looked at, uh, uh, you know, you're going through LinkedIn and that sort of thing, you, you, different people's profiles. So I phoned up this one gentleman in Toronto, downtown financial district there and um, his name was uh, Matthew Gassenbeek. He was a uh, former, at one time, he was a former um, a senior vice president of Merrill Lynch Canada. <laughs> and I had to laugh because when I phoned him up, he says, if it's .com, I don't want nothing to do with it. <laughs> I said, no, I said, the skills and training, it's manufacturing and skills training. It doesn't get any better than this. So he says to me, he said, okay, come on down. So he, uh, he reflected upon everything in, the, in what I put together there in the business plan and um, told me everything that I needed to do. One was uh, the business cards and he referred me to a whole, uh, quite a few people. So when I did all that, um, he also said one specifically thing, one specific thing he said I needed was a strong and powerful board in order to pull this off. Obviously because I would assume that, um, well, I'll get to that point in a minute. Um, so I, I did everything that he said to do, and, um, and from the Cambridge uh, area, I also um, uh, entertained the Cambridge Chamber of Commerce. So, and they were very good. They were um, very helpful. They helped me uh, to um, pursue on, uh, on meeting with, uh, say, like a, a, the local polytechnic college that's in that area, um, <laughs> which was good to the point where I went to meet with them and um, the meeting was very short. Um, they said to me basically, which was a compliment, they said, uh, Mr. Forbes, um, we're not really interested in what you're doing because you're the competitor. <laughs> And I'm going, well, that's a huge compliment. I said, thank you, have a nice day. It's threatening. So obviously they, they must think I'm a, a bit of a threat, but 
that's life, that's business. Uh, there is a, a one particular thing uh, mm -hmm. when I I just want to reflect upon here sure. is uh, uh, where was that? <laughs> uh, I have it here somewhere. Yeah, it's um, so. To my knowledge, until industry actually says that the uh, current institution mechanic mechanisms are not meeting the needs, nothing will change. I so, think we're kind of there, aren't we, with the shortage? Because <laughs> a lot of companies up here, I've, I've heard first-hand accounts where um, people well into their businesses, 40-year-old businesses, are choosing to shut down operations, or try to sell or try to take it apart because they just can't anymore with the with the current situation, the shortage of skilled labor. Well, and uh, it's been going on for. I mean, when I first started this in '96, there was there was a, a big uh, uh, thing about the shortage back then. Really? So that's like 23 years ago. So it's still nothing. And here we are. Yeah. Nothing's changed. But they're still uh, <clears throat> encouraging it. They're still taking your money. Mm -hmm. And um, so, I mean, I have approached um, some institutions in regards to partnership. I think it would be um, a positive outlook, um, probably a little bit more on a fast track on development. Um, and I think it's, it would be a huge asset for both sides, whether it's public college institution or another private institution. <clears throat> Regardless, we do have to do something. Um, another thing too was, I remember reading an article, this is going back, uh, not an article, but there was some news in regards to a, a whole entourage of people went to Europe. <clears throat> to view their system. Um, so you got the, the Swedes, you got the Norwegians, you got the Germans and, and a few other ones that, you know, they, they have an established system there, whether it's apprenticeship and education system, and, and it cuts down on all their, uh, their costs and tuitions and all that sort of thing. So when they came back here, basically they, you know, they couldn't apply that to this country. Well, I got only one thing to say about that is the fact that I'm not German, I'm not Swiss, I'm not Norwegian, I'm Canadian. This is a Canadian approach mm -hmm. to what they wanted to try and achieve. And uh, here we are. As someone trying to start a business, what's the biggest roadblock you've you faced starting your, your the college? What's the, the biggest roadblock? The biggest uh, thing holding you back at the moment? Well, money's always the big one. Um, um, money, partnerships. Actually, if industry wants to have a, a, a closer look at it, I think that would be the, the biggest asset of all mm -hmm. because it's in their best interests. Um, at the end of the day, I didn't build it for me, I built it for them. So through this whole process, it's uh, help me help them, or help me help you help them. It's. Uh, that's what philanthropy is all about, helping people.
What do you think of the um, the pilot program, the rural? Well, this one, the, the one up north here. Yeah. Uh, we spoke just before we sat down here, mm -hmm. and um, I kind of jumped on that right away because they said uh, they want to bring immigration in certain areas for um, uh, for retention, and, and you know, and I can understand immigration for. Um, population growth because of the demographics and that sort of thing that's going on in this country and others as well. Um, but when they touch base on bringing in skilled tradespeople, that one rubs me the wrong way because <clears throat> unless there's nobody up north here that uh, is interested in a trade or we just don't want it, then sure, bring them all in. But if we want something sustainable to create a good life for ourselves, then why are we not doing that? You know, why bring in others when we can train our own? What I, <clears throat> with the podcast, I, I guess I had that he has his own uh, welding operation in Sobri. He was telling me that they are, int it, it is interested, just it's still harder for uh, younger people to get into the trades and then, but there's a gap of trained, skilled people to be almost the mentors, right? So yes, they, they're is. trying to fix that gap to then bring in the new people coming up. Well, here I am, I'm 64. Mm -hmm. um, there's another 10 years behind me in regards to the baby boomers. There is a great amount of people out there that have the skills and knowledge to be mentors, mm -hmm. as in regards to um, you know when you're up there on the, on the uh, on the tools, so you're apprenticing under journeymen. So this particular institution, I believe, would draw um, a great resource of skilled labor um, because it has the potential to um, supply all the areas, whether it's union base, I know, I know, I understand that unions have their own and they're only, they can only draw in so many at a time. Um, there's non-union, there's manufacturing base, there's all kinds of service industry. They all require skilled trades, so we can't all do it the same. Um, so if somebody's looking for a trade, they may not be able to find one and then we could lose that that particular person who could be a huge asset. So opening up a door, other doors for opportunity uh, is, is, a, is a great way to go. <clears throat> so somebody that is maybe in high school or even younger that because I went to a high school where there were, you could take shop classes, you get carpeting, uh, carpeting, um, um, what is it, machine shop, mm -hmm. welding. Mm -hmm. I remember I took those. So maybe they're around that age of grade nine. What, what would you suggest to them to get into the trades? Can they do anything at that age? Yeah, right out of high school. Perfect. Yeah? You could be a journeyman by the time you're 20. Huge asset. 
but you can't do that in our system today. <clears throat> Is there anything you would suggest for our system today for them? Pardon me? What would you suggest for them with our current system? Well, I would suggest that uh, industry, for one, would have a look at this particular development, um, uh, create the board, um, create the financing, actually you know, the partnerships is, is, is a huge asset. Um, that was the other thing too, uh, I forgot to mention about that, is uh, I also went to an accounting firm who did the valuation. I've had a couple of valuations actually, one from a, a capital company just last year. Um, they did a preliminary valuation on this whole uh, development and it came back positive. Um, the first evaluation I had was through the accountant, excuse me, and their, uh, um, their suggestions was, one was to partner with a, a, uh, a, an accredited uh, college institution, therefore that would, then, that would partner with me in order for this to be developed. The other one would be industry, because they can help you with all the specifics that are required to, their, to the, the industry's needs. Um, so, yeah, I would say uh, partnerships is, would be an asset right off the hop um, from an uh, industry perspective and an educational perspective as well. Um, but for advice for somebody that wants to get into them, because we can't advise them, telling them, wait till my college is up and running, what would uh, you give them oh, advice? Oh, advice for students today? Yeah. Hmm. Well, uh, I would do your homework, look at the, uh, the unions, um, go to smaller companies, smaller trade companies like millwright companies and that sort of thing and see if they're looking for a trade or an apprenticeship. And if they're not, then just, you just got to keep looking around. That's, um, manufacturing, some manufacturing companies have uh, skilled trades, but in my uh, years working in manufacturing outside of being in construction too, um, I didn't see very, very little uh, uh, movement in regards to apprenticeship training. Um, they usually just hire the people that are in the industry I worked in. I worked in an auto industry for 20 years. I was a maintenance welder fabricator there. And um, if I remember correctly, I think they only hired one apprentice. No, sorry, my, I'm wrong, two. Hmm. So that, that really sets precedence for the situation we're in today. Do you see an industry that's <coughs> actually uh, investing in uh, apprenticeships? No. Yeah. I would hope so, but I... You, not to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge. Not, uh, not as much as we should, but then industry is just starting to ramp up again too. I mean, we got hit hard in 2008 and we're still feeling the effects of that, that economic downturn. What's changed uh, as for being a welder in the 90s or 80s to being a welder now? Uh, basically nothing except for the welding machines themselves. Okay. Now they're a little bit more sophisticated. So um, equipment? Huh? It's just the equipment. Just pretty much the equipment, yeah. Um, 
There has been some uh, leaps and bounds in certain areas for automation. Um, Manufacturing-based automation has a lot of uh, automatic welding, like MIG welding and that sort of thing. There's some, some if there's multiple uh, joints that have to be welded, um, depending upon what, what it is. Um, there's automatic TIG welding, um, quite a few different variations. Uh, Sub-arc welding is another one. Um, so the technology has changed in regards to that area. Um, back when I first started, I mean, we had some big heavy-duty machines and the size of them have reduced a lot. And But the technology is there and then, then they still have the punch that's required. Is there a preferred welding? I don't know much about welding, so... Um, does a welder know how to do all types of welds, like TIG and the rod, is it rod welding or? Yeah, stick welding. Stick welding? Yeah. Uh, or, or do you specify in your studies in, in one type? Well, in the construction trades, um, I, I, I belong to Local 46 Tron. Um, there is a big demand for all round welders. So you can you can jump into a shop or you can be out on out on the uh, out in the field, and you you because some of the processes are applied throughout. So you need to know your your flux core, or your your TIG, and um, the different uh, metals as well. Like you have your stainless, or you have your uh, ink canal for uh, farce. Um, so. To be able to do them all is a huge asset versus just somebody who knows one specific process. Um, it's like this here. So, so let's say you have a, a fab shop so, and, and this small little shop, somebody can go in there and you can become an apprenticeship. And all they're doing is making small little components, same thing day in, day out, year after year. So you're studying your books, and then you go write your, uh, you know, you've got your hours in. Um, um, so then you can go write your test, you get your C of Q and, and your red C or whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden, this young little mom and pop shop folds up and then you've got the C of Q, you've got your red seal, and now you walk into an environment like, um, General Motors or or um, or a, a big uh, construction site, and now all of a sudden you're like 20, 30 feet in the air in a confined area, and you got to do this whole take joint, stick joint, whatever it may be, and it's like what, <laughs> you know? So what do you do? There's that type of scenario that happens as well. So that's where you know if 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 we can develop a system where if if you want to get into a specific trade, you learn all about that trade, not just a little piece, this and that and the other thing. Um, some institutions say they'll, they'll give you just enough experience to go get you employed. So all you're doing is one small little process and that's it until the market comes up and down like this, and then you'd be laid off, and then what? You have no skills, 
you know, only that, that particular skill versus multiple skills. Um, Millwright's electricians are different. Electricians are, are uh, both, I believe, uh, mechanical and electrical are, are one of the higher enders. They're always in, in demand. Welding right now is a real big issue. Um, they can't find good welders. Um, <laughs> I've seen it firsthand, but uh, you know, some things you can't elaborate too much on. Uh, but other than that, um, yeah, we, we certainly need a, a, a solid foundation where kids, young people can go right in after high school, a career changer at 30, and, and, and it has to be sustainable and it has to be supportive. I always looked at another thing too, is the fact that, okay, so now all of a sudden you're married, you've got a couple of kids, got laid off. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Unemployment insurance usually doesn't cut it very well. And if it does, it's only for a short term. And then you got to go find some job. So this particular institution uh, steps in that area as well, pays you a, a substan substantial wage and will also assist you in the development of a career change. So when you, well, you're enrolled in the institution, you're working and earning a uh, Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Work and learn. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough sell though, because it rubs people the wrong way. Well, there's thousands and thousands of jobs, depending on those big bloated corporations that are the oh. industry of learning right the, the big bloated corporations, Per se, um, they are the ones that I think should really have a look at this um, because it's it's in their favor as well. I meant the the school system. Oh well, with administration and everything. I. It's it's like everything else. Um, you only know what you know. Um, the institutions today have, have developed what they have. That's that's what they do best. Um, right or wrong or indifferent. Um, that's the nature of our traditional society. Um, and there again, just reflect back to those other countries. I mean, yeah, they got something better than us. So why can't we? Mm -hmm. All it takes is a foundation and a cooperation of partnerships and will be well underway. Economic growth is based on the the uh, the the, um, the human capital. If you can't develop the human capital, then what do you got? You don't have an economy. Nothing's growing. Nothing's working. Nothing's getting fixed. The most valuable thing about a country is <clears throat> human capital. Well, I mean, the country is, you know, you have to have people that are working Otherwise, nothing's working. It's a simple solution. Nobody's working. Nobody's buying nothing. So the economy's going to go right down the toilet. You create work. You create the skills. You create a, a strong economy. Other countries will invest because now you have the skill base that's required to boost your economy. And yada, yada, yada. 
it just accelerates from that point. That's the life of a welder. And maybe we there's somebody out there listening that <laughs> you know where I'm going. <laughs> uh, you, their their parents are saying no, you have to be a lawyer or you should go to university. And they're but they they like working with their hands and, and maybe they tried welding. Have you had a good life being a welder? Yeah, I'm, I'm the, I've been welding for over forty years. Yeah, I mean there there's there's. It's, I wrote an article and I posted on uh, LinkedIn a little while back. There's uh, and it had to do with uh, um, how did they how did they present that? Um, they said uh, skilled trades are um, oh I forget how they presented it now like glamorous or something. That one rubbed me the wrong way, because there's nothing glamorous about um, the skill trades. It's it can be dirty. There's shift work involved. You have worked with some great people. Um, you learn a lot. You have the opportunity to travel. Um, it can be hot, dirty. You know, there's quite a variety of different things. But as far as um, being a good life supporting career, yeah, it's there. Rewarding? Yeah, it's rewarding too. Yeah. You can get rewarded by your peers, by the people that you work for, your employer. Um, not all employers, but for the most part, I mean, if you uh, step up to the plate and, and you're diversified as a welder, um, right off the hop, they, uh, they look at you and they say, hey, you know, They'll do whatever they can to, to keep you there. Mm -hmm. I mean, outside of the economy as it's up and downs, but... Uh... <clears throat> so, I mean, you've been pretty active on, on LinkedIn. I uh, try. <laughs> uh, why? why? Why is that? What caught your attention on LinkedIn? Well, LinkedIn, that's where the business is. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I've touched base with a lot of people from one coast to the other, and uh, I keep sticking it out there to them. And, and you know, I've had a great amount of positive results from many people uh, in regards to some of the articles I wrote and uh, some of the postings. Um, so change is a big one. Change is, for anyone, change is difficult. I can understand our institutions change is difficult for them because they find it probably change would be disruptive. But I find change and disruption is innovative. So in industry, we want to be innovative. Mm -hmm. So let's be that. I'm offering an innovative approach to skills training and education, career alternatives, and an opportunity to alleviate some of your debt down the road. Has LinkedIn helped you in, a, in a, or being active online and having a presence online helped you uh, in any way to grow, to connections on yeah, something? Yeah, connection, it's all, it's all been good. Um, I get a lot of positive uh, um, feedback from various people in LinkedIn, so it keeps me motivated. So like a sounding board? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
And there's uh, a few people in the U.S. that are, <laughs> are very impressed with what I'm doing as well. So, long story short, do we need a change in this country? Yes. Um, do we need to partner up in order to make it happen? I believe so. Otherwise, things would just be the same as it is. And, you know, if they want to um, build a country on immigration versus our own people uh, training them, including, uh, I almost forgot about that, is uh, we have an indigenous base. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Um, and I think that's a huge asset to be tapped into as well for skills and training and, and so on. Get them into a skilled labor workforce, you mean? Yes, of course. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And anything, anything else you want to, you had oh. prepared to, that you want to touch base with? Uh, let me see here. I did uh, have a couple points. Sure. Uh, show this again. So that marketing company that you hired, uh, is the sign that your your logo? No, I, that's all me. Oh, okay. Everything is all me. Fate Vocational Technical College, and in regards to the the development, these are the all the various uh, uh, sectors that will, okay. with any luck, will partner, and will create an industry that's sustainable. Mm -hmm. In creating opportunities for the next generation, as it says on the back. So, an artist too, right? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's a creative thing. It's, it was really kind of funny because I went to. Uh, uh, it's no longer in business. Uh, mailboxes, etc. Do you remember that? No, no. It's uh, anyway. So, it was a place for a small business. They had like. Uh, locking up, you get your mail and that okay. sort of thing, right? And there was a girl that they would help you and do stuff like that. So I had a hand sketch of this and that, and I went in and I talked to her and we, uh, so she came up with some ideas and I said, okay, well, see, what, we'll put it together and see what you, what you come <laughs> up with. And then I added a few more things and there it is. It's unique. Yeah, that pretty much says it all. But the, uh, yeah, uh, well, here it is here. A, dip a diploma is no real measure of a person's intelligence or potential, but apprenticeships are. Hmm. And then uh, uh, there was another one here. Uh, let's see. This one, this is this just reflect back. This goes back um, 12 years ago, 2007. A CSUIT survey of Canadian executives reported that 84% of respondents are having difficulty finding qualified and available skilled workers to staff their businesses. That's 12 years ago. Yeah. And then uh, it goes on and says, uh, according to the surveyed uh, uh, executives, uh, licensed skilled trades people are the hardest employers are hardest employees to find. So, and here we are today. We're still having difficulty finding 
uh, maybe maybe the kids. I'm not sure of, with 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 the technology today. This is this is a great tool, but I don't know. We don't talk to each other anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so you would think that in 12 years, if there was already a problem, they would try to fix it. Well, 12 years. How about 23? Yeah. There, the the uh, I can't think of the name of it now. Um, the Conference Board of Canada posted back in in '96 about the amount of trades and and the and the, sh and the, the skilled labor. How's it's going to change? And it's it's just gotten more and more all the time. Uh, the U.S. is no different. They're having uh, issues. Uh, other uh, countries are having the same issue. So we're not alone. Uh, the baby boomers are here, and we're not going to be here for long. So there's a huge asset here, I and mean, you need to tap into it. Would you say time. that the immigration program is a little bit of a band-aid? Yeah, yeah. Well, the government's going to try and do the best they can yeah. to do what, what's, what's available for the country, mm -hmm. or in, in terms of the country. Um, so, you know, in that respect, they, they're doing the best that they can. Um, the college institutions, the public ones are doing the best that they can. Um, so yes, if, uh, if we need a sustainable change, then I know of one. <laughs> How are we doing with time? Uh, almost an hour. Okay. Anything else you want to? You want to touch base? If anybody's listening, uh, that would be interested in contacting you. How could they? How could they contact you? You can contact me through LinkedIn, um, or and my email's on LinkedIn as well. Okay. So, who would you be most uh, interested in talking to? Investors. Uh, uh, investors. <laughs> I like this. You'll love this one. Investors. Yeah, sure. Two years ago in January. The investors put up an article there's, that they had a trillion dollars in Canada. The investors are sitting on a trillion dollars waiting for a place to invest. <laughs> I have to laugh, I said this to one guy, I said, I guess dust has a, has a, is a great commodity today. Because <laughs> if they're only sitting on it and they don't want to apply it to anything, then what's the purpose of it? So yes, um, industry, investors, um, public institution, um, and so on. We gotta make it happen. I'm sure you will. You seem like a guy that. <laughs> I'll try. I mean, you've been going at it for a while, and you only 23 given years. You haven't given up. What keeps no. you? What that's keeps you that's the other one too. Uh, I get a lot of people. They 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 come back and they say, "You've been doing this all that long." I said, "Well, I believe in what I believe in, and you know, people need." some place to go to get it done, get it over with, get it something sustainable. An opportunity that doesn't apply today. So you won't be done until it's done? Well, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm going to be kicking it around until somebody says no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's in their great, it's, it's, in a, it's an asset for both industry and mm -hmm. so yeah. I mean, I see it, and I'm not in the industry, right? That's right. Um, 
Yeah, Tom, thank you for coming. Thank you for oh, I appreciate making you. the drive. I appreciate you reaching out to me. It's a great opportunity to um, touch base with industry and today's institutions. Well, till next time. You bet. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Please share and subscribe to the podcast if it brought you any value. Thank you.